0: Welcome to the Care Exchange, the Skills for Care podcast for managers in social care. I'm Pierre Dear Burton.
1: And I'm Wendy Adams.
0: So welcome to the second episode of Series 3. Uh, today's guest is Paul Tolly. He is the CEO for New Direction Rugby, and that's an organisation that supports over 100 people with learning disabilities and physical disabilities, offering residential care, supported living, respite and day opportunities.
1: Paul started his career by volunteering as a personal assistant for an individual who employed their own staff. Prior to his current role, he was working in the voluntary and community sector. Paul's been in his current CEO role for about three years.
0: So looking forward to chatting to Paul today. Um, lots, of, lots of things to ask him about, some things that we don't think we've spoken about before on this podcast. So stay tuned and join the show. So welcome, Paul, to the Care Exchange.
2: Thank you. Love to be here.
0: Great to have you on really, really good. Got lots of things to as usual we want to ask you so let's get let's get started. So I know you've been involved with the voluntary sector in your previous role, and we heard an introduction there uh, about some of your other other roles and also that new direction rugby is engaged with volunteers. What sort of value do you think that volunteers? Uh, give to a service.
2: Volunteers are absolutely invaluable, um, but I think it's always really important to think that they're not a free resource. Um, you need to be able to invest in volunteers really quite heavily to get them the, the most out of them. So it's about having that infrastructure in place already to make sure that you can. Um, and volunteers, you know, they they are linked to the local community as well. So they're also a really powerful sort of link into the local community, the local volunteering community sector, faith communities as well. Um, And and the more and more you can bring the people that we support and the community together, the better it is. Um, We have a great link with the local church who run a cafe. Um, And actually our guys run that cafe uh, one day a week. And it's just a a lovely way of making sure that um, people we support have a fantastic um, uh, sort of outlet and and, and a place where they can engage with people, but also it is somewhere where people get to see, mix with, talk to the people we support. Um, Rugby is a very inclusive town um, and it's it's one of the things I'm very, very proud of sort of living here. But um, to, to have that inclusiveness, you've got to be Um, continually pushing those boundaries and sort of making sure that, uh, you know, there are opportunities to engage. So for us, you know, linking with volunteers and voluntary organisations is really, really important. Um, And I think as volunteers as well, it's the voluntary opportunities that uh, that we can put in place for people we support. Um, One of the guys we support uh, was a fantastic archivist for our organisation. So we've got these wonderfully detailed boards that detail the history of the organisation over 70 years, And he was key to putting all of that together.
1: Yeah. That's brilliant to hear. Um, And you've talked about volunteers and the the links to the local community. Um, How do you recruit volunteers?
2: I think it's... You know, having previously worked for and, and, and led an infrastructure organisation. Um, I think quite often providers aren't always aware that there is, uh, you know, a volunteer bureau, um, a council for voluntary service or an infrastructure organisation that exists purely to have all of those connections and networks to those, sort of, you know, voluntary groups, volunteers um, and, and faith-based organisations as well. So, you know, actually having that on your doorstep they've done all of that legwork for you. Um, So, you know, but but equally, it's it's also about recognizing that quite often um, it will be a a sort of handful of key individuals who are connected to people, who are connected to people. You tend to find it's your individuals who sort of, you know, volunteer and lead um, key institutions, key organizations and groups like Rotary Group etc those are the ones that uh, are the ones who know people who know people so they will very quickly put you in contact with um, key individuals and have roots getting information out very very quickly Um, so yeah using those resources that are on your doorstep rather than trying to sort of start from scratch I think is probably the key.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's clear that the volunteers have made a huge difference to your service but I'm guessing that there may also have been challenges in, in this process as well. Are there any challenges with using volunteers that you've experienced?
2: Yeah and, and certainly you know, our level of volunteering went down uh, during the pandemic and I think so. Sort of getting that um, momentum back up to speed. Is, is certainly a challenge. We've got more work to do there, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think you know, getting volunteers back in um, and, and sort of you know, engaging in ways that we've never done before. So, you know, just always challenging ourselves to say, well, actually, how, how can we do this differently? Um, whether it's working with, you know, we work with animal charities um, locally as well, you know, what, allotment groups, how do we work with those guys so that, um, you know, we can support the people we support far better?
0: Yeah. So yeah, I suppose it's for sort of register managers who might be listening to this, who think, oh, well, I haven't really engaged with volunteers before, kind of just rather than thinking, oh, that's going to be a lot of work. And I appreciate what you were saying. You kind of can't just say they are free resource. So I'm going to, you know, just put an advert out and they're going to come in and do it all. You kind of have to invest, don't you, really, to to, to get to get. But then once you've done that, you're actually going to a increase the community present and the community links, which I think is really important, but also yeah. you're gonna be able to offer some things that you perhaps can't offer now. Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely, it is that added value really.
2: So, you know, and, and I think you know, it's, it's taking the time and that's the luxury at the moment, isn't it? Just finding the time to sit down and think it through and say, well, actually what we're we really trying to achieve um, and, and whether to go down that route of actually building partnerships and links with existing voluntary groups um, or directly trying to sort of you know, recruit an individual volunteer for a particular role or purpose, um, and I think if you if you go down the partnerships route, you'll find I think that you'll get even more payback because again it's that awareness and that's that sort of you know, connection um, into parts of the local community that perhaps you're not already reaching.
0: Yeah, and that partnership working seems to be really important to you as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, Abs- it's equally.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and. Having, I suppose, in my previous role, realized just the volume um, of, of volunteering, voluntary organizations, groups that exist on a daily basis and their power to get things done um, is, is absolutely sort of, you know, unmatched. Um, so often you sort of realize that um, it's the voluntary groups who we'll just get things done without worrying about the bureaucracy, without having to sort of, you know, run through um, a a huge sort of uh, uh, tome of sort of, you know, policies and procedures and all the rest of it, and just get things done. And there's a a huge amount of power in that. We have to be careful as providers, obviously, around how we engage and how we work with individuals. But, you know, that that energy that is there, that is untapped quite often, um, is really, really powerful.
1: And we know that um c- working and, and engaging with local communities is really important c q c now it's Good one salad. of' those identified in their um in their strategy um if there are managers sitting here today thinking what i need to do more work and engage better with my um local community what would be your top tips for where to start with that
2: i think that's really interesting i think um, you're absolutely right in terms of CQC's focus, and I think also you know, CQC are also sort of you know, taking a look at this whole sort of system approach as well. Um, and I think that brings into scope a whole range of um, health and social care partners that we engage with and we work with, but perhaps we're not as strong partners with as we might be. So um, I think, you know, kind of mapping that through, understanding, I think, the journey from the people that you support, how do they engage? So, you know, if I take an individual that we support, um, I know that the one thing he is so, so happy to do and always sort of, we have an internal Facebook page um, and he's always sort of, you know, posting on there and giving sort of regular updates, um, he engages with local hospital. He actually volunteers um, on their dialysis ward and it's so rewarding for him. that that, he provides us that connection between um, that hospital and ourselves, and it's then using that sort of route to illustrate how they are having a benefit for the people we support, but in a very different way um, to the traditional sort of service delivery approach. So I think for me, it's about mapping that through and saying, well, actually, how do the people we support already link with those partners those organizations those institutions and how do we use that you know whether it's the local colleges it's the local schools but also whether it's the local church as well um you know the church was really really important to um, a number of people we support still is but particularly through the pandemic and i think you know taking the time to sort of map that if you like and appreciate it and also i think you know take the time to actually just recognize it and say, actually, through all of this, we did a fantastic job. We supported all of our people, but actually yeah. you were key to that journey as well. And I think sometimes we don't take that step of just sort of mapping out um, how those organizations, groups, uh, businesses in town. You know, like I say, we've got a very inclusive um, town, which is lovely, lovely to see. But actually, do we take the steps to just to say, do you know, someone so that we support really enjoys coming in here and you know the fact that they we know that they can come in, in here anytime and and get you know get to engage we just think that's really brilliant and we just want to celebrate that um and sometimes it's approaching it in a very different way maybe it is just about doing a, a little recognition uh, almost like a recognition award approach to it and sort of just having your sort of top 10 you know organizations groups partners in the town that make a difference to the people you support and just start from there and try and build.
0: Yeah. And I thought it was interesting when you were talking about your volunteering um, that with partnership I can imagine you're working similarly once you get to have connection with some of the key organization in your area that often will link to they will have partnership with others so you're almost kind of adding to adding to your partnerships working on you
2: absolutely and it snowballs uh, which is lovely to see um, you know Key individuals are often linked in several different ways. Um, and most recently, um, we had a lovely lady who walked over 120 miles. She did a walk called the Ridge Ridgeway. Um, and she walked over 120 miles and raised uh, about £2,300 for us as a charity. Um, and that came through a link, through a link, through a link. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that then led to, um, you know, her, she actually is president of the Inner Wheel, and she made us our charity of the year. Um, that follows on from the mayor um, of, of the town had actually made us one of his charities of the year, and he ended up serving for two years because of the pandemic. So we got two years worth of sort of you know cover through that, which was yeah. which was absolutely great. And, it, and again, it's just that raising the awareness yeah. that leads then to people knowing that you're there, people wanting to know more about what you do, and wanting to sort of you know support you more. Yeah,
1: but it's think- times. I think what's really struck me about what you're saying is that I think for a lot of services we often think about well what could volunteers do for us but actually what you're talking about is not only what could volunteers do to support our service but actually what are the people what can the people in our service that we provide support to how can they volunteer in their local community as well and i think what your that two way process is what's really magical about what you what you're talking about
2: yeah yeah absolutely it, you know it we all find it hugely rewarding to sort of be able to give our, our our time and you know like i say people we support um, you know, whether it's volunteering to sort of run a cafe, whether it's volunteering in one of the charity shops in town, or as I say, sort of, you know, volunteering on one of the wards uh, in the local hospital, we have a whole range of those activities, um, and, and it's so rewarding for the people we support. But, you know, it's just taking the time to acknowledge that and um, I think celebrate
1: it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So just changing tact a little bit, um, I wanted to ask you about workforce data. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very different. Um, so. How, how do you use workforce data within uh, New Directions?
2: Sure. Well, I, 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 I opened my mouth at a, a recent um, nominated individuals uh West Midland Session. Um, and uh, I was quite surprised actually that there were a number of new nominated individuals uh, in the group who weren't using uh, the workforce data, they weren't using um, WDS. And, so because I sort of opened my mouth and said how we use it, I then got asked to do a presentation to nominated individuals quite recently. Um, it's something we've used you know, since I came in, but to be perfectly honest, we were doing the bare minimum, really, of just putting the data in there so that we could claim against Workforce Development Fund, if I'm absolutely honest. Um, but I think it's, I think through the pandemic and, and also sort of think recognising that that data is so powerful when we're all putting into it, that there is actually a collective responsibility to put in as much information as possible, because that's the information that's being used to lobby around wages, to lobby around, you know, resourcing the social care sector better than, um, you know, it is currently and has been for the past decade or so. So for me, we, we put more information in there now, but actually we use that information primarily um, to look at turnover and our retention rates and actually have that benchmark and compare and contrast. So it forces us to um, not just compare with what the regional uh, rates are, but also forces us to look at our trends and data and say, well, okay, we've started doing this differently. Is that making an effect? Um, Is that having the desired effect? Is Is it, you know, meaning that we've got fewer people um, leaving the organisation, you know, turnover is, is, is a, a big, big trend data sort of issue for all of us at the moment, I think. Um, and I know we, for years, um, our turnover was sort of less than half the regional average. And it's great to have that because then you know what you're doing well. Um, but all of us, I think now are facing that, um, that challenge where after two, three years of sort of working through sort of pandemic conditions, with less funding coming through um, and minimum wage increasing. I think social care worker rates of pay are being driven closer and closer to minimum wage levels and that we're seeing that now in terms of staff turnover, individuals leaving and you find that you are swimming to sort of stand still, you know. Um, It's a lot of time and effort being spent by providers now on recruitment. Um, Being able to analyse that data, so be able to share that information in really succinct ways to be able to sort of feedback, not just the local authority, but central government as well. If I look at the 17 individuals we've recruited into the organisation over the last uh, six months, we had to go through 144 applications to get those 17. That's a huge amount of time and energy spent, um, and we do it. We absorb it as organisations. We absorb that time and energy cost, but sometimes we just need to be able to lay that there and to compare with the previous six months and the, the year before that to say this is what we're seeing and this is the trend if this carries on in the same way we'll get to a point where we don't have the capacity to deliver outstanding care yeah
0: so you're really sort of using it sort of strategically aren't you really to, to a strategically but also practically so you' you're kind of using it both because I think I think it, as a manager particularly if you have a small service obviously you're you're part of a big, big organization but if you have a small service, you think well, I kind of know what's happening, but actually being able to see it black and white you know this is this is exactly what what we have the more data you're putting in, the more you can get out and what you're saying is that you are kind of you you're you're starting to use it a lot more because then you can it's not just because you can claim some some training funding and that's right. that's that's amazing but it's also for your own organization's purpose to be able to say oh, actually this this shows us loads of information about the our workers and what's happening with our workers in terms of how long they're staying with us and you know if it you know if they have some training does, does that make a difference if we recruitment from this place does that make a difference all those things that you can kind of go hmm, okay we're going to do more of that less less of this yeah yeah
2: exactly that and you know i i love data i'm a bit of a geek so i i I enjoy sort of you know seeing those numbers in the pattern but what it what it then does is it it gives you that in to have the conversation with staff with managers to be able to say okay we're now spending i can see that we're spending twice as much time doing this how does that feel what does that stop you from doing what is that and then you've got a more rounded position to be able to go back to uh you know whether it's funders, central government DHSE, whoever just to be able to say this is, this is the effect of what we're
1: Yeah, And that's really interesting that you're talking about time, because I think one of the things that sometimes registered managers think is, well, I don't have time to put the data in. But what you're describing is actually the amount of time it saves you in terms of other things by having that data in far outweighs, it seems the amount of time that it takes to, to get the data in there. And that's really good to hear.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I, I, I when I came into the organisation in November sort of 2019, uh, just kind of had my feet under the table, you know. But as we went into the pandemic, and one of the guiding principles I had was, okay, we've got we're really sort of you know data rich. We've got information. We record information and data so well, um, but actually sometimes it's all in sort of slightly different places. Um, we're really lucky, or I'm really lucky, that when I came in here as an organization, everything we run is on Google. Um, and the organization I ran previously was all run on Google as well. So I understand those systems, I, I can work with them. So we, we were able to put things in place where staff didn't have to record information in any different ways, they just did what they always did. But we pull that data through uh, using a couple of clever little spreadsheets and just pull them through and present it in a dashboard
1: which is really nice
0: to see yeah yeah absolutely you know i I think hopefully you've inspired somebody to think oh my god oh i'm gonna have a look at this (laughs) this is what, what we would want and the other thing you were involved with was um peer review project um so when you're thinking about peer review what sort of the benefits of of being involved with a project like that
2: yeah, I mean, it, it came out of the blue um, for me, and it was a, it was a great piece of work that um, I did with Oxford um, as a as a local authority. Um, and you know, the principles of peer review, local authorities use it a lot, um, basically just to bring a team of, of, of individuals in who are all taking a slightly different view. They've all got a different background. The one I got involved in was because of my voluntary sector knowledge. So, um, but being able to bring a team in who are purely there to hold the mirror up. And that's the principle of a, of a peer review is to hold the mirror up and say, "This we've come in with no agenda. We're not here to catch anybody out. And this is what we're hearing. This is what we're seeing. And we're just reflecting that back up and saying, How, you know, have a think about that because, you know, staff will, uh, certainly when I've been involved in peer reviews externally, you know, staff are very, very quick and open to talk, to share their experience, to share what they feel. Um, and as soon as you say to some people, you know, this is non-attributable, just, to, just tell me how, how it feels to be working here at the moment. You know, in local authorities, when we did that, they opened up straight away. And it's just taking some of the same principles as that, I think. It's really difficult, I think, in our sector, though, to think about bringing almost like a, a team of peers together from different mm-hmm. organisations. Um, because I think in the, in the sort of commissioning world that we live in, um, mm-hmm. often those partners are often potentially our competitors as well. Um, and, and I think you know, that, that sort of does put some um, barriers in the way of that, but the ability to bring sort of, you know, whether it's a trustee, whether it's a person you support whether, alongside a manager, alongside a team leader from a different service, and thinking about that widened scope that CQC is having now looking at systems, you know, there ways in which, you know, there are individuals from um, the local GP surgery, the local uh, pharmacists, et cetera, that you work with really, really well on a, on a you know, day in, day out basis um, around sort of, you know, blister pack med- medication or whatever it is, is there the opportunity to bring some of that feed in um, and include somebody, you know, a family member of someone you support as well, you know? So you've got a very, very small team, but actually just looking in the round because every the, what I found working on peer reviews previously was, Everybody will spot something different because everybody's coming from a different perspective. Um, And and that's the that's the real sort of value of it. I think, you know, our audits are really important to us. We do a lot of you know, cross-compliance audit team leader audits, managers audits across those different services. Um, so you know, the 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 kind of cross-compliance element has always been there. But I think the ability to sort of widen that out, um, I also think as an organization, then you it impacts your culture. Um in the sense that what you're doing is you're opening up a bit wider um, and you're being, I think, you know, prepared then for those quality audit visits, CQC visits, etc. It gives you the opportunity to sort of you know, rehearse, to practise oh, yeah. um, and, and, and take that approach of being really, really proud of your services and welcoming people in. And, and you know, it's such a joy to be able to take people around um, and show them your services and show them what you're achieving. That's something that you should sort of be you know, rehearsing and practicing on, on, on a frequent basis. I think it's just another way of doing that. Yeah.
1: So how do you think registered managers, if they're, if they're thinking, well, actually, I would really like to be involved in, in peer reviews, how do you think registered managers could start their own peer reviews? It,
2: it, it could just be, you know, if, if it's an organization that's got you know, more than one service, you know, just. You know, reviewing each other's services is the cross-compliance. That's the very basic level that you know we've mm-hmm. had in place for, for many, many years. Um, but I think it's, it's it's also the opportunity to sort of you know, network with another provider, maybe that geographically is then just a little bit, yeah, you know, just far enough away that they're not your competitor, but close enough that it's conveniently geographically <laughs> close enough. So um, you know, that I think that that's where the relationships start, or maybe even sort of say, well, okay, actually, um, I you know, I know. we did a a visit with a a provider in Warwickshire who uh, achieved outstanding. And actually, their focus is primarily around dementia. And that was just brilliant to be able to go in there and see the the approaches they were taking and say, well, actually, some of this is really quite transferable. Even though our focus is not primarily dementia, we do support individuals who have dementia and are developing dementia as well, um, because we support individuals right through to end of life. So for us, there was quite a lot of transferability within that. And, you know, I think for me, that just that sort of, you know, reciprocal arrangement, I think certainly providers have become far more um, uh, sort of partnership focused. I think we've become less competitive during the pandemic. We've all had to sort of rely on each other and, you know, share tips and tricks with each other um, and, and give each other moral support. Um, and I think that, that, that kind of offers the opportunity to connect at a deeper and uh, on a different level.
1: Yeah. And I think that's really interesting what you're saying about that learning from others aspect, but not necessarily always those people who've got similar services to yourselves, because I think. You know, that that example that you've just given of where a learning disability service might actually look at something an older person service is doing and think, you know what, we're very different, but the principles of what they're doing is transferable and would really enhance what we do. And I think often we are in adult social care, very compartmentalised. Um, and we don't often mix with um, you know people who have services who are different to ourselves. So that's that's really interesting.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think it just also gives you the opportunity to do something fun as well. Believe it or not, um, I think if we if we weren't if we hadn't have linked with um, other services, and this was specifically the the dementia provider, but it was another um, older person's um, home.
0: Yeah. So I suppose what you're saying is that. To go back to to Wendy's question about how how would a register manager kind of pull it and thinking well I'd, I'd like to do that but I don't know where to start it's just kind of reaching out to the, to to a provider which are n- nearby and not necessarily the same type of provider actually the the, the more different the better and then yeah. just start having those conversations about well how can we you know as you get as you say the getting I like the fact that this thing about having a little team rather than yeah. I think it, when I first read about it, I thought well I would just be a manager come into your service and you would go to there but actually taking a family member and a person that you're supporting so you have a little team and they will see different things and then just and then they swap over and kind of try and say well you know no no um uh you know don't don't take this kind of because i think people could become a bit defensive but don't take it defensively we're just we're just kind of putting a mirror up saying this is what we saw It's for you to decide what to do to do with it i think that's a really yeah interesting. absolutely Interesting fact, absolutely. And and,
2: and and even just you know don't don't even think about it as peer review. Don't even think about it necessarily as part of your audit process. Maybe just a learning visit and just say, can we host a reciprocal learning visit where a couple of the guys we can come over with a few of us that we'll come and have a look around your services, you come around and have a look around ours, we'll have a coffee afterwards and we'll just talk about what we saw. Yeah. And again, yeah, it, it it's as much about building those connections as it is, you know, it, it, yeah, yeah. in terms of organizational learning sort of auditing processes you know don't overthink it I think probably
1: And I think that's really important is not it because pe- when we say peer review that sounds very formal scary. And it does. And scary but what you're describing is something that could be much more informal than that and, and, and fun
2: yeah absolutely absolutely and you know I think that's that's also quite rewarding then because you own the process, you know, you, yeah. you make it what you want it to be. Yeah,
0: Brilliant. Which back to the partnership, isn't
1: it? Yeah. So, Paul, we always have our time for care slot in every episode. Um, so you've talked a lot about, you know, all of the things that, that you do in your service. I was wondering if you could share with us, what's your most time-saving tip?
2: Uh, I suppose for me, Bizarrely, I suppose the, the, the most time-saving tip I can find is actually investing time in helping in understanding how other people do processes and find the shortcut for them. Um, so often, you know, talking through his staff, um, they'll, they'll, they'll sort of say, "Oh, well, you know, it takes me ages to do this." There's got to be a there's got to be a cheat in the system somewhere. And it's only by spending time with them sitting down, working it through and going, okay, so you're trying to get from A to B. But actually, they're spending a huge amount of time and energy doing that process when actually it can be done much shorter and an easier way sometimes. Um, it was, and it, and you know, it's absolutely lovely to sort of, you know, be able to get to that process. We've been, um, we've been working with a rotor system for many years now. And um, it was only... Uh, a couple of months ago, sat down with one of my managers and, and she was saying, oh, it's taking me ages to sort of you know, get this report, clean it down and then send it out. Um, and within about 10 minutes, we found a way of actually producing a customized report for her. That, and she said, that will literally save me hours. That will save me hours now that I can do that. Um, that was 10 minutes of my time, really well invested to save you know, a manager you know, several hours a month. And that was being replicated in each of the services so she went straight back and said well actually look we're all doing this you need to do it like this and you know people become energized and they become excited about you know saving time but i think you know so my biggest sort of time saving trick is to actually invest time so sort of, you know just trying to problem solve trying to work out you know how do we make that a more efficient way of working so i think just finding out you know what are people's frustrations where is their time lost and how do we make that a more efficient process?
1: Brilliant, thank you. And on to our final question, and this is a question we ask all of our um, Care Exchange guests. I want you to imagine that we're in a lift on the 10th floor and we're going down. We've got a group of registered managers in that lift. And before we all get out at the bottom, you've got the opportunity to tell them what you think is the most important key message that you want to leave them with. What would that be?
2: I think probably my key, key message to any, any manager would be: you know your services, you know your staff and the people that you support pretty much better than anybody else. Have the confidence to trust in what you know, and the bravery to welcome that challenge and feedback, you know, transparently and positively. Um, you know, quite often I think the role as nominated individual is is there to have faith in in self when you know we're. Each of us has a crisis of faith at different times, Um, and a crisis of sort of you know confidence. And I think it's about trying to just be that mirror and say, you know this really really well. Your your gut reaction is always the right reaction, Um, and just talking people through and building them up in terms of their confidence. So for me, you know, it's it's I think it's really difficult for any managers and particularly registered managers. You know, you're having to make so many decisions on a daily basis. There's so much information coming at you. Um, You know, you you second guess yourself um, several times every single day. Um, And I think sometimes it's just about, you know, somebody to be there to say, you know this and you've got this. It's
0: a great message. Thanks very much. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Absolutely. And I think people just sometimes they get so swamped. With yeah. everything that there's going on and, and, and we know the, the role of registered manager, manager and social care is so busy and so complex and they ask to do so many different things to actually just sometimes just step back and go, you know, you, you know, you know this, you know, you can, yeah. you can do this, you know, you just don't don't kind of try and pretend, you know, to try, try and remember that you know, that you know this. So thank yeah. you so much. Really great to talk to you, Paul. It's been amazing. It's shared some really good stuff, you know, really and things that we we have never talked about on the podcast before. So, thank you so much for for um, being a guest on the Care Exchange. No, it's
1: um, so all really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you, and bye. Thank you. Bye, bye. 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 Gosh, Wendy, that was a great chat with Paul, wasn't it? It was indeed. Yeah, we just talked about some things that we've never talked about, about volunteering, about that community partnership, which I don't think we've talked about before, not in that, that detail. I also thought that his thoughts and, and how, he, how important he thinks that workforce data is and how, he, how they use that as a almost like a time-saving device in their organisation. I thought that was really interesting. You know, just, you know, just, um, just thought that, you know, you kind of, you know, I think a lot of managers when they think about workforce data, it's something that's just sort of there and you don't really, they don't really use it. It's something you kind of got, got to do and you know, m- might not kind of use it as a, as a as device to do something with. And he was like really using it as a device to to use for his organization, to improve his organization rather than just something that you're having to do. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So obviously Paul talked about Ask WDS and having an account. Um, you know, if you are yourself not thinking, well, I don't really know what our workforce data is, That that's what that's there for. You can upload your workforce data. Um, it's a fairly... I think initially some time you're going to be spending some time uploading that workforce data. Um, but I think once you've done that, you kind of have it there and you just need to sort of update it ever so, ever so often. And then the great thing is that you can then use it, um, as Paul talked about, to kind of analyse your own workforce data. And even if you have a small organisation or you have a big organisation, you can really use that to kind of think well, what's happening with my recruitment retention. Does it make a difference when I train staff, to they stay longer, that kind of thing? Also it has a benchmarking tool, which I think is really useful because you can then you can use that benchmarking and you can kind of say, you know, I'm paying this, what are what are the people in my area, similar organization, what are they paying? I'm, I'm, is my pay rate is my pay rate right? And then obviously, once you have uploaded all your workforce data for the year, then you can attract that um, workforce development fund that again, Paul talked about, and you can access so many different types of training, uh, funding for training, uh, both learning program particularly for for leaders uh but also some of the bigger uh, qualifications, qualifications you know, diplomas small uh, qualifications like uh, handling medications there's so many different ones so if you haven't looked at that before we have lots of information on our website on those things so do have a look was what really stood out for you wendy yeah.
1: I think the thing that stood out for me was when Paul was talking about the peer review and about how that could involve linking in with managers of other types of services. It didn't need to be a a formal or a structured process. It could be something as simple as finding another manager in the local area who might come along and and have a look at your service. And I suppose what that really, um, what really resonated with me was about how people could use the registered manager networks to make those links with other people who might be able to um, or might be interested in getting involved in a reciprocal peer review type process you know obviously we've got the skills for care registered manager networks and the purpose of those is very much around peer support and the sharing of good practice and what's fantastic is that many of those networks have different types of managers in. So there may be managers of learning disability services, older people's services, domiciliary care services. And I just love that idea about linking in with a, a manager from a different type of, of service, because I think very often we speak to managers, but we speak to managers who either manage similar types of services to us or manage other services within our own organisation. And sometimes there's, there's so many things that somebody who's looking from outside might be able to just see that we've lost the ability to see because we're too close to the situation. So I love that that idea of that peer review and thinking about how that could link in with really those um, registered manager networks. And obviously, if managers aren't already part of those registered manager networks, they can again go to our website, Find their local registered manager network um, and start making those connections with managers of other services and their communities.
0: Yeah, and perhaps ask the chair of that network to to put um, peer reviews on the agenda. You know, and have a, have a bit of a chat about you know what you know how to do them, what are the things that we want to look at, and then from that kind of see if anybody's up for it. Because I think to have somebody else an, an expert, and you are all experts in in managing social care absolutely but to have an expert to come into your service and as paul put put a mirror up to see what's actually happening and they will notice things that you have walked past you know and and suddenly it'll be so obvious and then you go into that service and paul was talking about how going to another service has got that that didn't really was the same wasn't the same type of service and suddenly seeing something and going, oh my God, we can we can take a bit of that and we can develop it and we can then improve the service that we've got is just you know amazing and and I suppose it's just taking that time and the trust in that other manager that this is going to be a a um, a mutual arrangement so yeah no I I completely agree really great idea and a great use of the networks that's what they're there for um, absolutely. So that's it for now. Uh, We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. If possible, um, do follow uh, the Care Exchange on whatever uh, podcast platform that you're using. Just follow it and then you'll get notification when you get the next episode, when we have the next episode out. Um, So that's it. Bye for now.
1: Bye for now.